All right, good evening. Hope you're all doing well. We are starting on the bottom of Ayin Hayyamah Bey's four lines before the wide lines, and we'll be learning Daf Ayin Vav tonight and stopping about five or six lines, maybe six or seven lines before the bottom of the page. We're going to be continuing discussing some um, medical uh, conditions and abnormalities that come up due to injury. And um, as it relates to the, the prohibition of being married to a Pesua Daka and a Krus Shafcha. So let's get started with the final din of our Mishnah. The Mishnah that we had started was the uh, first Mishnah in the beginning of the Perak. And the first Mishnah in the beginning of the Perak speaks about the parameters of Pesua Daka. And the last thing that it said in the Mishnah was, If, um, unfortunately for this particular person, most of the Atara is missing, but there's a tiny remnant of the Atara, of the crown left over, so then he's still considered to be a kosher, but had that not been present, then he would be a puzzle. So that's where the Gemara starts today. Again, four lines before the wide lines on Ayin Ham at base two thirds of the way down. There's a little bit left. So Yasi Ravina Bukami Boyle. Ravina didn't understand the Mishnah. When we say Maloha Chutcha Amru in our Mishnah, is it Alpne Kula or Alpne Ruba? Do we need there to be a full circle of skin, a full cylinder of skin at the very what would have been the atar, the very bottom part of the atar that's closest to the shaft? Does it have to go around the entire anatomy, or no? Is it only um, is it alpne kula or only alpne ruba? So it says the Gemara Amarle Rabatosfar Laravina Malohachut Alpne Ruba Veklape Resha. It has to be only the majority. So let's say there's a partial amount of skin from the atara that is present and klape resha, and it has to be closer to the body. Amar Rav Huna, Rav Huna says, and they're speaking uh, in a little bit with, uh, with similes and metaphors, psula. If you've ever seen a kulmus, a quill, you'll know, notice that when you're holding the quill, the top part of the quill is longer than the bottom part of the quill to absorb some of the, of the ink as you write. So therefore, in this particular case, what the Gemara is speaking about is uh, the last short line on Ayn Hamad Aleph, is that if a person's injury is that the top of the anatomy is seemingly regular length, but there was an injury that severed the anatomy, the crown going downward from the top side to the bottom side, cutting inward closer to the body. If it has the shape of a kulmus, that's considered kshera. But kemarzev, in the reverse, it would be psula, meaning if it were to be that the anatomy were cut top to bottom on an angle this way, then it's kosher. But if it was cut top to bottom outward angle, so then it would not be kosher. And the Gemara speaks out the svara here. Why is this the case? Why do we say that? Because in one case, when it's the case of the marzev where the cut is an outward cut, so it starts uh, at the top of the anatomy going outward, then there's a lot of air that's exposed to the body. This lowers the temperature of the zera and makes him infertile. But the other case where the cut is in the reverse direction, like a kulmos, lo shalit ba'avira. However, this is not agreed upon by everyone. Rav Chiz Amar, the reverse is true. Kemarzev, when the cut is outward, then kshera kekulmos, when it's inward psula. Why? Because when the when the cut is... Um, when the cut is, which one is it? When the cut is kemarzev, so high gari, then when there's tashmashamita, then uh, then all of the appropriate parts of the male anatomy are touching the woman's body during tashmashamita, and that will cause for stimulation, but high low gari, but in the other case, there will not be stimulation. So just a machlokas, and which feature is more important? Is it temperature or is it uh, physical contact to the body? The sheet of Ravuna, the one we started with, seems to make sense. The sheet that spoke about the temperature of the air, it really depends 
depends on temperature because if you're saying it has to do with the physical contact of the, the remaining parts of the male anatomy during Tash Mashamita, it should be no different than a spout that's put through a barrel. What does that mean here? That, uh, okay, it's true that there are parts of the anatomy that are missing, but still, Ruba de Ruba of the anatomy is still touching the walls of, uh, of the woman during Tash Mashamita, and therefore, not a good argument, and therefore we would conclude that that if the cut is on the anatomy is from top inward and down, so that's going to be kshera, and the other case will not be. It says the Gemara four lines into the wide lines and ayin hamid bays. In actually, in both cases we reject this. The Gemara says in both cases, whichever direction the cut is in the halacha is that the person is not a psuadaka mihu and pshita de uh, so the, the Gemara is just discussing here where the cut actually takes place. Is it all the way at the end of the Atara? The Gemara says it can't be all the way at the end of the Atara because if there was a nick right at the very end of the Atara, that the, the very, very end of the anatomy, that would not be a case of Khrushchev, only when it's closer to the bottom of the crown, bottom meaning closer to the shaft itself. Fine, says the Gemara. The Ravina, four lines from the bottom. What was Ravina doing with this conversation with Maremar about you know where on the body the Kikumos Kemarzev share both of the Ravina the Shibushe the Maremar Hudabai? He was just testing Maremar. They were just talking through the sugya. Um, again, what the implications are is uh, is itself interesting. But the Gemara Rashi says two lines into the wide lines the Shibushe the Maremar Leda im Mechudad Hu Lahashi Bal Sheila. So just to answer the Kashi, he was just testing it in the base matter. A couple of quick stories. There was a particular case that happened in the city of Matamachasya. And uh, his injury was in such a direction where he would not have been kosher. So Shafye, they actually cut more skin. Shafye, Marbarabashi Kikulmus, he reshaped the cut. He cut a little bit more off of the anatomy to make sure that it was a, the, a cut in the right direction, and that made it then kosher, which rejects the previous statement of the Gemara that Kikulmus and Kemarzevarkshera. Okay, so the discussions here as to what's mutter and what's not, what's puzzle and what's not. Two lines from the bottom says the Gemara, the tubes that normally carry the Shechvah Zera became clogged up. And somehow, and this doesn't seem scientifically sound today, uh, do we say that nature changed? I don't know. But the Gemara says that when the uh, tubes that carry the zero were all blocked up, it then somehow managed to go down the the, uh, the urinary tract in one way, shape, or form, and that was uh, a shaila. So, I don't even know how did they know that this was even taking place. Okay, I don't know, but they knew. Just because you come from this place called Muloi, you should say such ridiculous things. Of course not. Only when the Zera is in the right place and the right tubes that it belongs in, that's when it's Mavashla, that's when it's the right temperature, when it can cause for uh, to, uh, to impregnate. And So the Gemara rejects this possibility. Top of Ayin Vav Aleph, two lines down. Let's say that a person had a piercing injury that would have led to them being a Ptuadaka, but then it healed. In any case scenario that the person would have had seen Keri, he would have seen Zera, and had it been that the pressure of expressing the Zera would reopen the wound, so then that's a problem. That's a puzzle. So that's what the Gemara says. So there are some injuries that are kind of on the fence. And there's a huge nafkamina lemaisa, whether or not this person's a puzzle. And we're going to get into that in a minute. Says the Gemara, 
Hava bay Rava. Rava was saying, Hecha, where is this tear? If it's all the way at the end of the anatomy, even had that end of the anatomy been fully removed, if there was just a small amount of the atara, the end of the crown that was removed, that's kosher, that's for sure not the case. Ella, it must be the atara atma lower down on the crown. And the, the Amoraim take over this sugya, and the Gemara says as follows Itmar, Itmar Nami, I should say. There's another statement of the Amoraim. Amarav Mari Bar Mar, Amar Mar Ukva, Amar Shmuel. So there was an injury in the crown, one that would have made the person into a into a a daka or a Khrushchevcha. And the Gemara says, then it, it healed. So it says the Gemara, if in fact, when there is uh, when there is Zera being expressed, that it would actually tear the skin in the person's apostle, the Ilav Kosher. Now we're about to read the Gemara's way to assess. Uh, whether or not this person's apostle. But the only way to really test it is for there to be sperm ejaculated from the body. Otherwise, that's the only test. That's the only measure to know if the tear is a tear that makes him apostle or not. So therefore, we have to find a way for him to do this in order to test, but it has to be a way that's mutter. So the Gemara gives a couple of completely wild recommendations. I don't know what they mean other than what the words say. So it says the Gemara, So Rava was a fourth century Amor, the famed Rebbe Rav Yosef, who later in his life uh, lost his memory. This is the famous Rav Yosef. Anyways, Rava was his Talmud, and he said, How is one supposed to test for this? So it says the Gemara, You should take bread that's made from barley, and they should put it on their backside, and that will cause the person to see Zerah, and then we can test whether or not this is the case. Now, this doesn't sound uh, like a biologically sound kind of a thing. In fact, it seems a little bit off the mark. So the Gemara says, This is only for people who are on a lofty level, like Yaakov Avinu, We know that uh, the famed story is that he, uh, Yaakov, never ever had a Mikrolaila. He never saw Zerah once in his life, not one time, until he got married and until Reuven. Reuven was born from the first uh, droplets of Kerry. So fine, so says the Gemara, that doesn't apply to everyone. Ella, Amar Abaye, Me'avrinan Kame Big Date Sivonin. Maybe what they should do is bring in front of him clothing that are colored, women's clothing that are colored. Well, that's a problem on 10 fronts. We've got halachic issues. The Gemara elsewhere in Shah says you're not even allowed to look at a woman's clothes with, with any hurim whatsoever. Even if a person would sexualize that which even shouldn't be sexualized, that would be usher. Certainly, you're taking women's clothing specifically to make sure that he has inappropriate thought. It's, it's crazy. Anyways, the Gemara says, Amar Rava, you have to be a pretty big Russia to see clothing, and that should lead you to the point of seeing Zera. Everyone is such a bad person that they select this guy, Barzilai, that he sees clothing. Such a person. That's ridiculous. It says the Gemara, the strangest of conclusions. Eli, you're right. The way that we test as to whether or not this tear is considered to be a tear that makes a person a Chris Shafcha and a puzzle is with the barley bread that's placed on their backside. So this uh, raises a big shy in the post game about people who have to test for fertility. So when there are couples that are going for fertility treatment, one of the assessments they do, all the assessments that they do on the wife are halachically mutter. There's nothing that really is problematic, though the post can do right that if a woman is being tested for fertility with internal exams, you always have to ask in advance, should I expect any bleeding? How much bleeding is there? And if the doctor is doing an internal exam and the glove yields blood, she's a nida de oraisa. So there are halachic concerns about a woman being checked 
correct for fertility treatment, but none that reach the level of concern of, of Abdika's Zera, of actually checking Zera to see its morphology, its motility, all the things that they check for in, in, uh, in Zera. So this is a big deal in the postkin. So that's why Rav Chaim Kanievsky Zatzal, one of the reasons why he was opposed to in, uh, in vitro fertilization, because it required being Mosi Zera outside of the framework of Tash Bashamita. So this is a big shot. I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago briefly, but just to run through the, the basic uh, run of the postkin is like this. The way that they would uh, collect Zera to test it in a, in a firm culture is that they have these special types of condoms that are used. The couple would have regular Tash Meshamita, but with a condom, the Zera would be used to test, and then the remnants of that Zera would then be reinserted into the woman's body. This is a procedure called an IUI, an intrauterine injection. They put the Zera back into the body, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But then literally none of the Zera is wasted at all, none at all. What if you're only doing a Bdika Zera without that? So some, most postkim are still matir. So many postkim are still matir for this, but it really should be done derech tash mashamita. What happens if uh, the woman is in nida? And now is the only time you could do the Bdika Zera. You can't have tash mashamita. So Rabbi first and other postkim are makbed that based on a chuvar of Moshe, that you're not allowed to collect Zera through masturbation because the process of masturbation, separate of the results of masturbation, the process of masturbation is Nisr Daraisa, separate of, of Sheikh Zera. Other posts can say that's not correct. It's only the results, but because the results here are specifically for the mitzvah pru or vu, so that's not the iser of Sheikh Vazir al-Batal. So this is a big deal in the post game learned from this Gemara. What didn't the Gemara recommend? Masturbation. Why wasn't it recommended? Because <laughs> maybe it's usser. Aye, but you have to test to see if this person's a puzzle. Okay, so we come up with a workaround, the way that it's not. So that's where some of the posts come infer that the masturbation process itself is usher because the result is the same with the nahama, with the barley bread. The result is still the same that there's zera to test the tear in the anatomy as to whether or not it makes person a puzzle. So maybe you can be medayik from here that there's an iser derisor just for the process of uh, being sheikh vazer levatel. It's just a process of masturbation irrelevant to the result. The Gemara says a little bit more than a third of the way down, tana rabbonah. Nikkei puzzle. If there's a person who has a piercing in this area, he's going to be a puzzle. Neshu shoseis because the zera does not leave the body like it normally does. It doesn't leave uh, in an ejaculate form. It just uh, comes out of the body very slowly. Nistam, but if it gets healed again, kosher meep neshu humovid, then he's kosher again because he's able to have children. This is one of the examples in the Torah where you have a, an example of someone who's a puzzle and he can become healed again. Whoa. whoa. Thank you very much. Why are you telling me that? You must be coming to exclude something. Zehu So when we check out the lungs of animal, a rea is a lung. So there are these things called a sircha or a krum. There's a little bit of a scabbing that exists over a lung. So when when we were in Smicha, they took us to a shlachtas. They cut out the lungs after they took an animal. They put it on an air tube. They blew up the lungs, and the lungs expanded very, very widely. And they would check for sircha. So if they saw a little scabbing, that's what this is. If they saw a little scab, a little um, growth of skin that covered over a hole in the lung, so you might want to argue, okay, the animal's glot right now because there's no problem. There's a scab. No, that's called a sircha. And that's not chozer livrioso that we say that it's kosher. That's not allowed. We, that would be meat, meat that's not glot kosher. We don't even touch that. I don't even think we could, you could find meat that isn't glot kosher where we live. I don't even think that's possible. So that's what the Gemara is saying over here is only in this case of the Kruz Shavcha, where there's a wound that would have made the Zera come out slowly and not normally. So then that would have been Absul. But if it gets healed, then he's fine. So says the Gemara, uh, halfway down, How do you heal this type of tear? Please don't try this at home. Okay? Says the Gemara. Mycenon, we're not talking about lungs anymore. We're back into our case. How do we heal the injury that might be the injury where Zara will not come out 
in a stream, but it would come out in a way that it could, will not produce for children. It'll only come out slowly. So says the Gemara, what do we do? No problem. Classic medical, you can Google this. Exactly right. The Gemara says, you take a one pearl of barley, mycenon sa'arta, umisartinan, you actually uh, cut with the edge of the barley, which is very sharp. You cut in a way where it bleeds a little bit. And then umisisan tarba vishayfin, and you take a small amount of fat and you place it on that wound. And then obviously you go get an ant, you take the, uh, an ant and you place it in such a way where the bite of the ant will grip the two pieces of skin together. Note to self, we have stitches nowadays. We don't need to collect ants for these purposes. And right as the animal bites the skin so that it's closed, then you cut off the head of the animal and leave it there. This is a wonderful scenario. The Davka Sa'arta, of course, obviously we're only talking about a barley. We're only talking about barley. Aval Parzila, but something made out of metal you should not use because Mizraf Zarfi will, will, will cause for incorrect healing. The Hani Mili, when is it that we say that we do this ABC's type of healing process? That's only true, Katan. That's only true if the wound is very small. Aval Gadol, Mikpule, Mikpal, the scabbing will just come off and that person is going to be a puzzle. So if there is such a, such a tear on a person's anatomy, first of all, go see a physician and get stitches. But in a rare scenario where you don't have access to normal modern medicine, I guess, I still don't think you should try this, but that's what the Gemara recommends. I don't know how to explain anything other than the translation of the words. I don't know how this works. I have no idea. Okay. Says the Gemara a little bit more than halfway down. Four lines before the wide lines. A person who urinates out of two different places on their anatomy, they are puzzled. So this actually happens. There is a, uh, an, uh, an embryological disorder that can happen with babies called hypospadias. Basically, the way the anatomy forms is that the urethra unrolls and flesh wraps around it. And if you're a healthy, normal person, then when the anatomy is done, you can urinate straight from the end of the anatomy where the meatus is. The meatus is where the urine comes from. But babies who have hypospadias, when they're born, the urethra stops unrolling halfway. And literally, when the anatomy is perfectly straight, there's a hole on the bottom side of their anatomy. They urinate straight down, even when the anatomy is pointed out perfectly straight. So first of all, as practitioners in the field, you are never allowed to do that kind of circumcision. They need an operating room. They use the foreskin for patching after they rebuild the urethra. I've watched surgeons do this procedure. Genius, brilliant. You're not allowed to do a brisk like that. Rabbi First has a fascinating kula that he does allow you to do a little bit of a cut, one that he's worked out with surgeons. You can cut a little bit of the foreskin on the top side with a bracha, even though the orla really hasn't been removed enough to reveal the crown. Fascinating kula. I've spoken to him about it and other post him. I don't understand why it works. I, he, he, did, he didn't explain it to me other than what? No, the child is, is gemant. He's gemant. You don't need a bracha later. He can have a regular, normal surgery with the surgeons. And uh, so I, my rabbi, I ask her my first a lot of shahs, but my rabbi in Pesach for these areas, he, they don't hold to that. So one family actually called me after they did rabbi first thing. And they said, we want you to scrub in at Lurie's and do the cut at Lurie's because our, my, the father of the baby said, my rabbi doesn't agree with rabbi first. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be stuck in the middle here. What should I do? So then I don't know if I should make a bracha. If rabbi first uh, actually worked, I'm not allowed to make a bracha. I'm standing there in this operating room. I called my, I called a bunch of people from the home. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to make a bracha? Am I, am I not? So the Misa, I ended up not making the bracha. I called her by first. It's only a suffix brachos according to those who disagree with her by first. <laughs> but it's the suffix. So I called her by first. I explained the whole scenario to him. I didn't say who it was, but he said, you should not be making the bracha. I mean, Pasha, he would say that because he held that it was okay. okay. But it's suffix brachos. Anyways, these, these types of anatomies can happen. And when they do, you can have a child who actually can urinate out of different parts of their anatomy at the same time. 
So that's really a problem. So that person, if that happens, that person is considered a puzzle. Three lines before the wide lines. Amarava less hilchasa lo kibara lo kibra The halacha is not like the son and not like the child. This is talking about Ravuna. Uh, this is Raba bar Ravuna. So the, the halacha is not like Raba, and the halacha is not like Ravuna. Like, like Rabbah, this din that he just said, that a child who urinates out of two different places at, at the same time, that halacha is not like him. And Abba and the father, if you have two women who are intimate, so according to Rav Huna, he held that two women who are intimate with one another, they're because they're zonas. That's what Rashi says, the last Rashi in the Mishnayas, the, the last Rashi before the Mishnah, 15 lines from the bottom. Rashi says, but the other posts can say, no, not like that. Even the strict cheetah that says that if a single man and a single woman are intimate and they bear a child, that the child, uh, that the, then forget bearing a child, excuse me, let me start over. That if a single man and a single woman are intimate, that that woman becomes a zona, no. That, that, even that shita hanimili ish, that's only true when a man sleeps with a woman, but when a woman sleeps with another woman, that's not tashmishamita. That's just not, there's no Tashmish Amita, there's no Aver Tashmish in that case. And therefore, it's Usr, Aval Isha, says the Gemara, Pritzus of Alma, it is considered to be Pritzus, uh, but it would not be Absol. So that's how the Gemara concludes by rejecting two halachos, one of Rabbah and one of his father, Ravuna. By Rabbah's din, if a child, if a, if a, a person has a urine from urine exiting the body in two different locations on the anatomy, he is not a puzzle. And if two women are, are intimate, that is not considered Tashmish Amita, it's Pritzus of Alma, and therefore they She's not considered a zona. Second of the wide lines, Ayn Vav Medalaf. Suadaka, Ukrus Shafcha, Mutarn Begioras, Mishukhreras, Veena Nasur and Elami Lavo Bekahal. Suadaka and Ukrus Shafcha, they are allowed to marry a Gioras and someone who has been freed of slavery. They are just simply not allowed to marry into the Kahal, marrying a regular Israel. Shinemar, as the Torah tells us, Lo Yavob Suadaka, Ukrus Shafcha Bekalasha. Because Abtuadaka and Ukrus Shafcha cannot come into the Kahal. Bominemir of Sheshes. Meshukhreras is a woman who was an Eved and she was freed to be a full Jew. So even that person's, yes, they're a full Jew right now, but they're only the next generation will be totally normal. And therefore this, she's not yet Kahal. And because she's not yet Kahal, so therefore the Ptsua Daka can still marry this person. Their only limitation is a regular Yisrael. So it says the Gemara, If you have a Kohen, who is a Ptsuadaka, so he can't have children, can he marry a Gioras or a Meshukhreras? Normally, he would not be able to. So what's the Chakir of the Gemara? Do we say the Kedushte Koi, that really, even though he's a Ptsuadaka, he still maintains his Kedusha, the Asir, and therefore he should not be allowed to marry these women like any other Kohen would not be allowed to marry a Gioras or a Meshukhreras. Odilma, or perhaps that because he is a Krush uh, or a Ptsuadaka, therefore, Lav Bektushte Koi Bishari. He loses his status as a Kohen, and therefore, because he's of Tuadaka, he therefore is allowed to marry uh, the Gioras and the Meshukhreras. So, Amrle Ravashi, I can, Ravshesha, excuse me, I can answer that. Tani Tuho, we already learned this. Five, six lines into the wide lines, I involve Madal. Tuadaka Yisrael, we're going to learn from Yisrael. If you have a Tuadaka Yisrael, Mutter bin Asina, he's allowed to marry a Nasin. What is a Nasina? A Nasina in the female, what does that mean? Take a look at the first long line of Rashi. Rashid says, So this is from the seven nations of the world. And one of these women, Yisrael, is allowed to marry an Asina. And if you want to say that the Israel still has maintained their level of Kedusha, then we have a problem. What? We're not talking about a coin right now. Oh. 
No, we're talking about Israel. Yeah. If we still had the status of being Israel with the Kedusha of Israel, then what about the fact that there's Lotis Chatein Bon, that you're not supposed to marry these people? So, Amar Rabba Atu Hasim Mishum Kedusha Valav Kedusha, you think we're talking about Kedusha? Dilma, what's going on with that Israel? Dilma, Molid Ben Vazil Plach. Maybe the concern over there is that you might marry that non-Jewish person and they'll have a child who will worship Avodah Zarah. That's true in their Shari. But when in fact they do convert, then the Ptuadaki Yisrael can marry the Nusin when they in fact convert. However, but only a rabbinic injunction against marrying them when they convert. When was there that when was there such a Xerabanan against marrying these people? That's only true when they're fertile. Aval Hai, this person, this uhsuadaka Yisrael, the Labar Ludi therefore the Ptsuadaki Yisrael can marry the Nasin who was a Ger. So maybe we can see from here that there's a reduction in Kedusha by the by the Ptsuadaki Yisrael. And by extension, there's also a reduction in Kedusha by the Ptsuadaka Kohen. Says the Gemara, Elameyata, if what you're saying is true, is that the only time we allow for marriage to a Nusin to take place is when a uh, is when a person is infertile. What about a Mamzer? Says the Gemara, Elameyata, Mamzer, Debar Olode, a Mamzer is able to have children. Hachanami do Aser. Are you going to say that a Mamzer is not allowed to marry a Nusin? That's not correct. <coughs> Five lines from the bottom of the Gemara. The Hatanan, we have a Mishnah. We learned this already. I think in this Masech, we learned it already. This line. Yeah, we learned it once about 50 blot ago. And the Gemara says that a Mamzer can marry Nasan. The only time the rabbis had a rabbinic injunction was with a Kasher. But when it came to Apostle, so then a Mamzer can marry Nasan because they're Apostle. And therefore, they're allowed to marry Nasan who's a gear. Now, all of this was Rava's answer, because Rava had said that we weren't talking about Kedusha, we were only talking about whether or not the person was fertile. But Hadar Amar Rava Labnil say, I reject my own answer. There's no such thing as marriage. by uh, We have this idea by Bishal Akum. The reason you can't uh, eat the food that's made by an Akum is good Mishum Chasnus. We don't want to get too close with everybody. So it says the Gemara, it doesn't apply by a Goy. Just to say parenthetically, we don't paskin like this. We believe that there's a concern of Chasnus by Goyim. We do. That's why we have Bishal Akum. That's why we have a lot of different restrictions because we don't want to get too close to the guy. We want to make sure that our kids marry Jewish. So Masib Rav Yosef, hang on one second. Wait, that's not true what you just said. You wanted to say that there's no chasnos by a goy, but that's not true. In the times of Shlomo, Shlomo married a person whose name was Basparo, and uh, it was the daughter of Paro, who was the king of Mitzrayim. And that means that there is chasnos by a goy. Says the Gemara, no, she converted. She converted. Shlomo couldn't have actually done a conversion for her because there were no conversions at that time. What was our concern with conversion at that time? Our only concern was that people wanted to get in with the, with the, with the king. Shlomo was very wealthy. David was very wealthy. Says the Gemara, that doesn't apply here. By her, she was very wealthy. She was Baspar. She didn't, it wasn't concerned about her, her converting for money. So she was converting for the right reasons. As the Gemara of tape of really the concerns over here is the Hamitzri's Rishonahi. Maybe we should say that she's considered a first generation Mitzri. And the, even though she's not, Tosos deals with this at length, that really she's not a first generation Mitzri from the time of Yitzias Mitzrayim. This is many years later. This is Shlomo Amalek. It's not by the time of the, what are you talking about Yitzias Mitzrayim? It's many years later. So it says the Gemara, Hanach. 
If you want to say that maybe the mitzvim of old are gone and they're gone for good and there's never going to be a din again of a mitzvah in their first generation, that's not true. I had this friend, Rabbi Yehuda said, I had a friend named Minyamin, he was a ger mitzri. Omar, he said of himself, Ani mitzri rishon vinasasi mitzris rishona. The Gemara says, I'm a Mitzri first generation, and I married a woman who's first generation Mitzris as well. And I have my son marrying as well. Um, uh, my son's going to marry Mitzris as well, so that in the third generation, my son can marry into the Kahal. So what do we see from here? That there can be a rekindling of, uh, of the Mitzri people. Unbelievable thing. Take a look at Tosvos, who just took, uh, like throws his hands up a little bit. Why would he not have been able to marry in? Tosos goes through a whole arichus here as to why this Gemara makes any sense at all. But suffice it to say, the Gemara certainly posits this as a havamina, that it is possible to rekindle the Mitzri uh, Shabbat. How does it work? What are the mechanics that would make Minyam in a first century Mitzri? Rabbi Akiva was by the time of the <laughs> is totally off base. It's, it's, very, it's crazy. How do you rekindle the mitzri, Shavu? Well, you like, That's a real mitzri. That's the Torah's prohibition of, of marrying yeah, a mitzri. It's a mitzri. Really that generation specifically, the first generation of somebody who converts, if assuming they were a real mitzri. That's when I'm saying it's just started at that point. It's just started at that point. But once it's Bilbalu Sancheir, the whole thing is done for. Yeah. Once that happens, the whole thing is done. So, how do you have a scenario now where any mitzri is really a mitzri? You have no idea. I, we've all met people who are uh, who are Muslim, who are totally not from Muslim countries. They're not Muslim. They don't look Muslim. They're not. So what's their gear process? Are they following Ben Achar Ben? Like we always follow the maternal line, Stark. We don't let go. And if you if, if we have a question about you, you're done. <laughs> we, you get jump in the mikvah, then you're done. So we're very strict about it. That's why the post can write by Bnei Keturah. If we knew who they were, we'd make a bracha on their brisim because they're Bnei Abram. We don't because we don't know what their misora is. Had we known, we would have made a bracha. Anyways, the Gemara discusses this. So the Gemara says, five lines down, Amara Papa Anan, Mishlomo Leku Venasiv. How can you even ask any of these questions from Shlomo? Shlomo lo Nasiv Midi. He didn't marry her at all. It says about him, You're not allowed to marry these people. They can't marry into you. It's going to drag your hearts away and you're going to follow them. And it says he was only Davak, implying that he wasn't actually married. So it says the Gemara. It seems that he was not married at all. So the, our whole Gemara's premise was on the fact that he was actually married, that maybe there was chasnus by, uh, by Basparo. Ela kasha v'yishchaten, how do we understand the Pasuk? And the Gemara concludes, mitoch ava yiser sha'ava, because he loved Basparo so, so much, ma'la lava kasav kilin yishchaten, but really, lemaisa, really, there is no chasnus by a koi. That's really what the Gemara concludes. Okay, says the Gemara, Amr like concluding the Kruz Shafcha Sugya, at least uh, most of it. Amr uh, le Ravina le Ravashi, Baha'anan Tnan Tsuadaka of Kruz Shafcha Mutarm Begioris Meshukhreres. One part of the Mishnah that we just learned says that Apsuadaka and Kruz Shafcha, they're allowed to marry Gioris Meshukhreres. What would be the Duke from there? 
you can only marry a Giyores and a Meshukhrers, but not an Asina. And Amr Lay, if that's true, but the next line in the Mishnah says the opposite. The next line says they're simply not allowed to marry anyone who's a Yisrael. What does that imply? Oh, so it says the Gemara, we have a two, two opposite implications from our Mishnah. And whenever we see two opposite implications from one source, the Gemara's general rule is, you know, you can make no inferences about a Nasin from our Mishnah because it has uh, opposite and opposing implications. Let's discuss Ammon and Moab as we uh, get close to Shavuos. This Gemara is uh, very apropos. Uh, Ammoni Umoavi, if these two nations are the daughters of Lot, Asurim, Ve'isurin Isser Olam, the men are never ever allowed to marry in. Aval Nikvosei, and they're the women of the of that culture, so Ammonis and Moavis, Mutaros Miyad, they don't have any waiting to do, they can get married right away. Mitzri Ve'edomi, when it comes to a Mitzri and an Edomi, Einam Asurim Ela'ad Shalosh Toros, they have three generations of prohibition, Echazachar Ve'echad Akevus. And that applies by both. So men and women, three uh, three generations. Rav Shimon matir son of Kevos Miyad, but Rav Shimon, when it comes to a Mitzri and an Adomi, Rav Shimon is matir uh, out of the gates. Why? Because last short line on Ayin Vav Mibbez, we're going to be going until about six lines to the bottom of the page. I'm Rav Shimon Kavachomer. We have a Kavachomer here. In regards to the case of Amun and Moab, where we said that men are forbidden forever. And in that case, Hitzir son of Kevos Miyad. In that case, the women were allowed right away. Then Then when men are only restricted by Mitzri and Adomi for only three generations, Eno Din Miyad. For sure, we should have that. That makes no sense. If when the men are forbidden forever, the women are allowed right away, then why, when it comes to the next case of Mitzri and Adomi, do we say that the men are restricted for three years, for three uh, generations, and the women are also for three? That doesn't make any sense. Amrulo, so they said back to Rav Shimon, Im halacha If what you're saying is actually a tradition, then we agree. Im ladin, if you're making up your own kalvachomer, yesh tshuva, then we could argue that. So Amr Lehem, he says back to them, Lo, that's not what I'm saying. It's not my own din. Ki halacha ani omer. I'm telling you, that's the din. The din is that when it comes to a mitzvah and an adomi, the restriction for three generations is only on men, but not on women. They are allowed to marry even in the first generation. What's the status of those children? If you marry them? Marriage is also, I don't think there's a problem. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing it's only a psal in the kids. I don't know. What are the psalm saying? Lo yavo. I think it's like lo yavo bekal. I'm not sure. Maybe not, but I don't know. Maybe if there's an Isra Dereis, Rabbi Akiva has that sheet said that even in Achai Belavin can still be Mamzerus. But I don't know the answer to the question. We have to look. The Gemara opens Minuani Mili. How do we know the very first din of the Mishnah uh, that we learned that the women can be married right away? Uh, when David went out into the field, he was a young boy at this time. He was going to go fight uh, Goliath. Omar el Avner. So Shaul said to Avner, Sartzava, who was the general, Ben Mizehanar Avner. Who is this person, Avner? Who is this boy? Avner. I have no idea who this person is. Ask the Gemara. How can you say that he did not know who? Um, how can you say that he did not know who David was? That David would play music for Shal. Of course they knew each other. Says the Gemara, yeah, you're right. It doesn't mean he didn't know who David was. He was asking who David's father was, David ben Yishai, but he didn't know who Yishai was. Says the Gemara, everybody knew who Yishai was. He came with fanfare. The Pasuk says, He would show up with 600,000 people everywhere he went. That's what Rashi says. Eight lines from the bottom of the page, Sar Al Shishim Ribo. Yeah, a lot of people traveling with him. That's a big entourage. So therefore, there's no possible way 
that Shaul didn't know who Yishai was. So then again, back to the question, what was he saying to Avner Sar Saba, who, that who is this David, who is his father, who was he really asking? Says the Gemara, which child did he emanate from? From Peretz's lineage or from Zerach? If he's coming from the line of parrots, so then that's the line of kings, and everybody does exactly what he says. And if he's coming from the line of Zerach, so Chashiva Baal regular Chashiva guy, but not a, not a Melech. Says the Gemara, my time, why was he even asking about this? What did he see that made him ask that he should care one way or the other who David was from Peretz or from Zerah? Who cares? Says the Gemara, because the Pasuk says, he was wearing those clothes and it, met, and it actually fit him, Kimi but that was Bederach it shouldn't have fit him. Why not? Because he was taller than everyone in the nation, including David. So Amr Doag HaAdomi was a Talmud Chacham. He says to Shaul, before you get all up and uh, figuring out whether or not he's appropriate for Malchus, ask the different question of whether or not he's even able to join the Jewish people. Because he is a descendant of Rus that there is no restriction of a female marrying into the Jewish people. Therefore, to verify our din from our Mishnah, we therefore know that that an Amoni or an Amonis, a Moavi and a Moavis, that the women are allowed to marry in immediately, even though the men can never marry in. We'll stop right here at Elameata. Tomorrow night, there is no shear, not tomorrow morning either. I'm going to record and post uh, probably around four or five o'clock, four o'clock, something like that. And I'll keep you all posted on that. Wishing you all a beautiful night. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely not fathers.